With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hebrews 10 and verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confidence of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. You know, I'm sure you have read this scripture many times, just like I have through the years. It helps us to understand as a church what we are to be about. The church is not just a club or a sorority or a fraternity. Those clubs, they may do some good things, but that's not the purpose of the church. First off, we are here to exalt the name of Jesus Christ. We are here to teach the Word of God, but we are also here to equip the saints for the work of the ministry that God has for each and every one of you. You see, we're not just to have, be a place where people get married and buried. We're not just here for old people. I'll never forget talking to a man one time that I was trying to witness to, and he said, listen, he said, I have no need of the church. I'm already married and I'm not dead yet. He said, the only reason that churches exist are to marry and bury people. He said, or else it's for the weak of mind. They may need that, but I don't need it. What a sad thing. What a sad thing he's lost out on because <clears throat> our relationship with God, it, it's just that. It is a relationship with the creator of the universe. It is something that happens that when we give to him, he gives back to us. It's not something that we go begging. It's not something that we do just out of obligation, but it is something that ties us together that, well, every one of you that know how close you feel toward God, I, I wouldn't give that up for anything. It's not just a feeling, but it is a knowing inside of each of our hearts. That ability to know. The sad thing is I listened to this guy. He had mentioned a particular denomination that he had went to years ago. And he said, I just didn't see any need for church. He said, I didn't see that I was getting anything out of it. And I thought, well, isn't that interesting for him talking about what he was getting or what he was not getting? Who knows how much he was putting into it? Maybe he was putting a lot into it. But he had talked about the rituals and the routines and the different things that would go on. And he said, I didn't see any life in it. Now, isn't that interesting? Because the church of Jesus Christ is supposed to be alive. It's supposed to be full of life and power and strength and all that God has. Uh, he went on one other statement I wrote down where was this. He goes, uh, 
It's just for people after they've had their fun. After they've had their fun. Boy, you're missing out on a lot because there's so many good things you get to experience when you are a believer in Jesus Christ. It's not just for women and children and weak men. <laughs> the church has so much to offer. First of all, it's a family. It's a family of believers together. It's a privilege to be a part and belong to that family. It's a challenging relationship. It is because who does not have a family that's not challenging? I'm just, you need to think about it. With a family, aren't you usually very honest with your family? There may be other people out there that you sort of put on a facade and try to always just act a certain way with. But with a family, you're always up front. You're real with them. And sometimes you disagree with them. Sometimes you completely disagree with them. But yet your family, and in that family relationship, you are tied together. Now, I know people try to get out of families these days. Uh, one young man in our community I talked to, he has three children with a woman, and he still hasn't married her because he can't afford to have the babies. And he said, well, he said, the reason we don't get married is because I need everybody else to pay for my children being born. Boy, as a man, I wanted to go up and slug him. And I said, I paid for my three. I said, and you know what? We didn't have maternity insurance on our insurance. I said, so we set up a payment plan. And I said, I remember the first one when she was born, we paid $75 a month to pay her off. You know, it wasn't like if we didn't make a payment, they were going to take her back. But same thing, you know, we, we did our part. This young man was missing out on so much because it isn't about just being there. It's about the knowledge that I will be with you. There's that strength in that marriage relationship and that tie-in as a father or a mother with your children. In a family, it takes work. I know I've said this years ago, but uh, my folks had a little plaque that was up in their kitchen at one time, and it was about fishing. And they said if fishing was easy, they would call it catching. It takes some work. You've got to have some patience. And as a kid, when we would go fishing, sometimes I didn't always have the best patience. I wanted fish just to jump on that line right now. And I would take and I'd cast it out. No action on the bobber, I'd reel it all back in. I'd cast it back out. My dad would say, now just leave it there for a while. And then he came up with this crazy story. He said, you need to leave it out there. He said, when you see a dragonfly land on your fishing line, that means a fish is just about ready to bite that worm. I didn't want to reel it in, and I was waiting for that dragonfly to come by. Now, Dad, I, I never ask you this. Was, was that just a made-up story to get me to leave the line out there? I'm going to need psychoanalysis. <laughs> 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 
the thing is, sometimes in our life, just like within our family, when challenges come, we start to think there's something wrong. But I want you to know when something is worth your attention, just because it has some challenges with it, doesn't mean it's not God's will for you to get those things and get them through victory. Some people look at thorns and roses and they say, isn't it terrible that roses have thorns? And another person will say, I think it's just wonderful that thorns have a rose on the end of it. It's how you see it. It's how you perceive it. And sometimes when the challenges of life come up against us, right away some folks throw up their hand and just say, it must not be God's will. Because if it was God, it would be easier. Well, I got to tell you, sometimes the greatest opposition comes in your life before you see the greatest answer to your prayers. The enemy would love to shut you down. The enemy would love to set you up in such a way that the things that are coming around you circumstantially would seem bigger than the answer that you're praying for. But that's when you stand your ground. That's when you understand that you don't take anything for granted, but you start to act upon the word of God. Stay in the New Testament here and look in the book of Matthew chapter 7 with me. I know sometimes we watch a television program or we read a book and it makes it sound like within those few pages, <coughs> excuse me, within those few pages, that everything sounds simple and easy. But I have to tell you, sometimes things aren't simple and easy. Sometimes there's great detail to it. And in Matthew chapter 7, take a look with me, if you would, at verses 13 and 14. Jesus is talking here, and he says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few that find it. Now, to know what's in a person's heart can't be easily figured out. You may see someone, you may hear them talk, but until you get to know them, you don't know what's in their heart. Some people have gone through horrible experiences in their life and they're just trying to struggle and stay alive. You know, depression is one of the craziest diseases that's out there. Sometimes it is a chemical deficiency in a person's body. Other times it can be a circumstance that they have gone through that was very devastating that emotionally has just left them scarred and they don't know how to get started. They're not sure what they need to do in the next step. Their routine was interrupted. Something went wrong that changed the way they perceived their life. But the truth is, if we would love people, even when they're in the midst of depression, and let them know that we're standing with them in what they're believing God for, that can give such confidence and strength to a person so that they start to think, maybe there is hope for me. Suicide, it's one of the strangest things that happens in many different cultures. Some accept it, some people try to push the idea. In Japan alone, 30,000 people every year commit suicide. That's a little island, that's a little nation. And yet 30,000 people a year commit suicide. That's a high number. 
Why does someone feel that desperate that they think that's the only solution? When suicide happens, it may seem to solve that person's problem, but it leaves all the living with questions and issues that they're not sure how to deal with. See, I, I believe that as we read these verses tonight, we can't always know what's going on in a person's heart, but God knows. And if we would love people to give them the benefit of the doubt of what they might be going through, or maybe they're facing some challenges that have caused them to draw back and to stay back from people, if we would reach out in love to them, that would help them get out of that shell that they're in and start to dream about a new possibility. The word says, narrow is the gate. Some people don't think they're ever going to make it to heaven. You know, I was really shocked when I read the statement that the Pope made about atheists. And he said, it doesn't matter if you believe in God or not, you're going to go to heaven. Wow, that was uh, such a bizarre statement. Uh, this, this Pope has said a lot of different things that seem very controversial. But I thought to myself, well, even within your own group, if it doesn't matter if you go to church and have a relationship with Christ, then why do you do last rites for people that are ready to die? Why do you do this and this to try to get them ready to go into heaven? We know what Scripture says. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by, finish it for me, me. It's not by good works. It's not by thinking that there's universalism out there that because Christ died on the cross, everybody gets in. You have to know him. You have to have a relationship with him. And sometimes confusing messages like that hit different people. You know how many people that are unbelievers think that if they're good, they're going to go to heaven? There's a lot of people who think, well, you know, I did six good things and only one bad one today. So if I die, I bet you I have a good chance. Sometimes people don't even need to have that. They just think, you know, when you die, you automatically go to heaven. And when you go to heaven, you get to do whatever you want. So you know how many funerals I do in a lot of different places, a lot of different people's thoughts. You know, one that I did here a while back, the daughter wanted to get up and eulogize her father. And, she, and everybody just laughed and laughed about it that was there in the crowd. And she said, I know that dad's up in heaven with God having a beer and going fishing, talking about stories and the little lies that they tell each other that just always made all of us laugh. And I'm thinking to myself, you have absolutely no idea about the Word of God. She loved her dad. He was a wonderful man. Everybody loved him. He was just everybody's friend, but he had no relationship with God. See, part of our job when we go out to share our faith is not to be condemnatory toward people and their lives, but what we have to do is show them the Jesus in us. What did he do for us? How did he change us? And when we have that kind of a friendship with someone, you might want to say it like this, you have an intentional friendship with somebody because you want to share your testimony. You try to find out if you've got anything in common. Now, my wife's family is a large family. And so when we first got married and I was trying to get used to all of her cousins and try to remember their names, somebody would be coming toward me and I'd say, who's he? Well, he's married too. What's his name? I'm not sure. Oh, hi. 
So you know what we'd do because we'd never met before, but because we were now family, we would start to talk. And I'd listen to what they did and what they liked and some of their stuff. And they would listen to me, some of the things that I did and what I liked and what I was involved in. And then if we found something that we both liked together, now we can start a conversation. You see, it was an intentional friendship. I want to encourage you as we go through the rest of the word tonight to have some intentional friendships. Find something you have in common with someone. You know, maybe you go, you know, you ladies, as my grandfather would pronounce this, you go to the, the beauty saloon every week. Hang out with the women in there to get your hair done. Have things done for your nails or whatever else here. You're sitting there with these same ladies. The woman who works on your hair or works on your fingernails or your toes or however you are in the beauty parlor. Do you have an opportunity to talk with them? Well, most of the time, yes. At least when I get my hair done, my toes done. No. No. <laughs> I don't need any time up here. There you go. The simple fact is, you look for something you have in common. See, witnessing sometimes get people scared because they think they have to go out and know the entire word of God when all you have to do is know Jesus. And when you know Jesus, then when you're talking, you find out maybe you both like to bake. Maybe you both like to collect certain things. And you start sharing your stories. You have just broken down walls that separated you, and now you have a friend. Well, while you're telling your story, find a way to slip the words in about something God did for you. Oh, you know, I'm so thankful. God just blessed me the other day. I found out somebody was praying for me, and it really meant a lot to me. You ever, you ever have anybody pray with you? And they may look at you and say, well, no. Well, let me ask you, do you ever need prayer? No, I don't need prayer. <laughs> don't get discouraged. <laughs> well, have you got grandkids? I see the pictures over here. Oh, yeah, I do. I love my grandkids. Well, when we get done today, would it be all right for me to pray a blessing over your grandkids? Now, what grandma is going to turn that down? Yeah, go ahead. You've just opened the door. An intentional friendship can start to break down barriers. Most people get scared of witnessing, but they forget that one of the best things that Jesus ever said at the end of his time on earth was he said, go make disciples. How are we going to do that if we don't have anybody to talk to? Pastor, all my friends are saved. Praise the Lord. All right, you need to get a new friend. And you might have to love on them for a year before you get a chance to put the gospel out there. Well, I don't want to waste my time with them. They do stuff that I don't like. Find something you like, something you have in common. Do something with them. And with that intentional friendship, you start to open up the possibilities to witness and just easily say, ah, oh, you know, we got bad news the other day. Our family was praying, and God did a miracle. Or God just gave us such comfort in our hearts. Narrow is the way. There is only one way to heaven. You and I can't change that. In our world today, everybody wants a do-over, where everybody wants to say, I'd like to be the exception to the rule. The Word of God's the Word of God. You and I can't rewrite it. We can't look at someone and say, oh, bless your heart. You know what? I'm just going to take that verse out of the Bible. Who's got an eraser? 
You can't do that. The word is the word is the word. Sin separates everyone from God. But Jesus made it possible to heal relationships. So whether it's a neighbor, maybe it's someone who's never responded to you in the past. Maybe you've said to people, would you come to church with me? And they say, no, no, we don't do that. No, we go out to breakfast on Sunday morning. No, we sleep in. That's my only day off, this and this. But you build an intentional friendship with them. And before you know it, if you would even spend one year as reaching out to them, even just once a week, if you would reach out to them sometime during the year, they're going to have a need. That's the time you jump in. And you say, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. I'd like us to stay in this uh, book of Matthew and like you to drop down to verse 15. 15 through 20. Jesus is still talking. He says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit. But a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear uh, bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by your fruits you will be known. What kind of fruit would somebody taste if they bit into you? If they're going to talk to you, they're going to be biting into you. If they're going to go out to dinner with you, if you have a block party in your neighborhood, if something comes up or you're with them doing business and they listen to you, they're tasting you, what kind of fruit are they getting? Are they getting a sweet, good taste, or are they getting something evil and nasty and ugly? i got to tell you, the world has lots of ugliness out there. The world today, if you even try to tell any truth, they'll look at you and say, oh, you're mean-spirited. Don't judge me. You know, the Bible says that, don't judge me. And they've taken everything out of context. You've got to know what you believe. You've got to know that you love people. You may hate a certain sin, but you love the person. We want people to taste us and experience the presence of God. Now, everybody has a day, and this isn't going to sound good, but let me say it. Everybody has a day that you're not always up to par. Maybe you slept in. You were up all night. You were uncomfortable. You weren't feeling well. And you know, finally fell asleep that morning, and somebody calls you on the phone, and you answer like this. What? Oh, you having a bad day? And you're thinking, do I want to tell them the whole story? And then you try to change your voice. No, I'm, I'm fine. What can I do for you? And inside you're saying, I finally got asleep and you woke me up. When they tasted you, they got a little bit of bitterness there. Now, we don't always have the perfect answer at every time. But you know, if we will share our life with people, then they'll see the real us. They'll get the good fruit. They'll get the good taste as they open up their life and build a friendship with us. Look down in verse 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. <clears throat> Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, 
cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. These are the people like the scripture we read this past weekend. They have a form of godliness, but there's no power because the spirit of God doesn't dwell in them. There, there are some folks that think just by going to church or just going to the right church makes everything perfect and makes everything right. But you've got to have a relationship with Jesus. When he changes your heart, he changes your attitude. He changes your mind. He looks for ways to bless you. I believe with all my heart that we're called to be a blessing to others. Amen? I believe we're called not only to be a blessing, but that when people taste us, they taste Jesus. Look down at verse 24 through 27. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat upon the house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, we uh, will be like a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. The rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell, and great was its fall." Same circumstances that came, but different foundations. Our foundation must be in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And when he is in us, we are not living in a bubble where it is always guaranteed that everything will be perfect, but it is guaranteed that God is perfect, and he will give you his strength and power and might to push through. Hallelujah. It is that fruit inside of each of us that people will notice. It is that part of us that builds that relationship that transcends time because we know who we are in Christ. The very last part of this chapter, verses 28 and 29, look at it. And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes or the religious leaders. Ouch. God help us if we as a church ever get to the place where we have all this God knowledge up here, but we don't have any God experience coming out of our life to touch our community, to touch the unsaved, to touch the saved. We have to be open to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Don't give up. Keep pushing in and see the hand of Almighty God. Since you're in Matthew, let's uh, go back just in one book in the Old Testament, the book of Malachi. Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3, and take a look at verse 8. Will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me. But you say, in what have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me. Even the whole nation. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open to you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. 
so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you are a uh, you in bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. Now, there's a lot of things we can concentrate in on here, but I want you to go back with me and look just for a few more moments, starting here again at verse 9. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even the whole nation. So here is a curse that is over a person's life because they don't honor God with their finances. Now, is it that big of a deal? Well, yeah. I mean, if it says there's a curse. But did you see what happens? It not only affects them, but it affects the whole nation. At one time, America was known as a nation that sent missionaries out to almost every part of the globe. Churches had missions, budgets, things were set up that people were giving on a regular basis toward missionaries and doing expansion and establishing new churches, and many, many things were going on. And yet, how interesting that when you look at history and things that have gone on, as a nation, we have decreased in what we're doing to send missionaries out and money that gets set aside for missions. I believe with all my heart that as much as God wants to take care of us in our local church here, we want to have his heart, and his heart is for the world. The world. That takes on many different forms. That can be the people that we see down at the Oasis every week. That can be the women that stop over at the Women's Choice Center. That can be so many different things from Christian Friendliness up on 12th Avenue and Moline to all these other organizations that are doing their part to reach the world for Jesus Christ. This word tells us, though, that we have robbed God if we're not honoring the Lord with our finances. It takes a step of faith to do it, but look at the blessings that come. You will not be under a curse. And some people wonder why they can't ever get ahead, because they're under a curse. Curses are real. Now, I want you to forget what you watched on television. I want you to forget about some old haggard over witch standing off to the side in some old movie saying, I curse you, I curse you. That's my old witch voice. There you go. I don't use it very often because I'm not an old witch. So, listen, curses are real, though. But remember this, Jesus died upon the cross, and the people that were hung on the cross, they thought that they were cursed. Jesus took a curse upon himself of the sins of mankind so that we would not be cursed. Man, if, if he paid for it, that I wouldn't have to be cursed, I don't want to go back under a curse. It just takes a step of faith to start honoring him, to give, to do your part, to do those things. Because what will it do? It'll even bring a blessing on the nation. And i got to tell you something, our nation needs some blessing. We may do lots of other programs that we send food out to different nations and, and different places out there. And, and I, I personally believe Americans are probably some of the most generous people I've ever met in my life. But there's something here that we need to know. And I, I want to encourage you the next time that you give financially, that when that bucket comes by, you see it as a chance to honor God. Now, some people all get concerned. Well, you're just talking money. No, I'm talking about a heart attitude, what we were talking earlier. 
See, even if you've already given, let's say you have a plan that you give so much each month and you've already given that, but the offering bucket comes by and you don't put anything in. You're not under a curse. You've already given to the Lord. That's that wonderful opportunity that when you touch that basket or that bucket, you say, thank you, Lord, that my needs are met. I have honored you. Hallelujah. Our ushers don't stand around with little notepads saying, you know what? They just let the bucket go by. They haven't put anything in for three weeks. When they go outside, we're going to shake them down in the parking lot. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be terrible? I mean, let alone, who'd want to deal with that? Hurry, hurry, run from the church. The usher is coming. The usher is coming. Don't give up but realize that there's a blessing that needs to come upon America. The state of Illinois needs help. My goodness, when it makes the national news that they can't even pay their lottery ticket. <laughs> you know, and the crazy thing is when I go into the gas station sometimes and I see people, oh, give me the quick pick and give me this, I want to lean up to them and say, there's no money to pay you. Well, yeah, I, I, I get paid if it's, if it's a small amount. They give it to me out of this cash register. <laughs> Praise the Lord, you won $20,000. Here's an IOU. The state of Illinois needs help. If we believers are giving and trusting in God, we have a right to believe that the curse over our state is lifted. You see the power in that? You see the power in that for your own family? That you have that right to believe that the next time financial challenge comes toward your home, that you have the right to be able to say, wait a minute, devil, I am not under the curse. I am under the blessings of God. Because this word went on to say that you, Father God, would rebuke the devourer for my sake. Now, what a testimony to be able to give. Again, we're talking about those intentional friendships. Most people around us know somebody who just got laid off from John Deere. 1,300 some people lose their jobs in the past month here. Somebody is going to know somebody who's lost their job. What a way to minister to people. To be able to say to them, I want you to know I'm praying for you. I'm believing that you'll get a new job. I'm trusting this. I'm trusting. You begin to witness. You don't have to sound overly religious. You don't have to pray in King James lingo. You just pray what you pray every day. You pray the word of God. Let's uh, wrap our time up here in Matthew again, chapter 8. You know, the past three Sundays, as we took time talking about the rapture and the second coming and all the things that are tied into it, I got so excited when several of you started to tell me about your conversations, about the messages your kids were talking to you about, that you'd sit down at the table and begin to share stories and then ask questions. And they'd say, well, you know, what if I'm in the middle of doing this and the rapture happens? Will God wait for me to get it finished? All kinds of stories like that. Thank God your kids are asking questions. Thank God they're being trained and taught in the word in the other rooms also. But thank God you get to share in those stories. You get to be able to say to them, hey, the Lord may come today. But that doesn't mean the night before you say, don't do your homework. <clears throat> come on let's just watch tv and eat popcorn you don't need to do that homework the next morning comes oh i guess you should have <laughs> yeah they should have 
Jesus said that we were to occupy until he comes back. Now with that occupying, that's not just existing, but that's choosing to share our faith. So that with your beautician, your barber, the gal who is in the convenience store where you buy your gas, the guy at the pizza place, the place that you like to go as a restaurant, the waitress that knows your name. Why does she know your name? Well, have you learned her name? Do you know something about her? Have you ever just said to her, hey, you look like you're having a rough day instead of saying, I wish I had a different waitress. Use it as an opportunity of saying, anything I can pray for you about? Anything that I can just keep in my prayers? You may not even be able to pray at that point in the restaurant. She may not be open to that, but she tells you something that's going on. Now you know that prayer works. Those intentional moments that we are asking God to help us be a disciple maker, God will do evangelism and God will bring someone else into the kingdom of heaven. Look at this in Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. Matthew chapter 8, starting at verse 5. Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him and saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I'll come and heal him. The centurion, by the way, he was not a Jew. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness, and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. As you have believed, so let it be done for you. Would you say that with me? As you have believed, so let it be done for you. One more time. As you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. Jesus is talking and he says, listen, I've not found faith like this anywhere. And there's going to be people from all over that come and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They're going to have the same faith that these guys had who are your fathers, your natural born fathers. But there's going to be a timing that Israel will reject this message and they'll be cast out. Now the good news is like we've been going through all of our teaching when the rapture happens and you and I are caught up to be with the Lord in those seven years of the great tribulation, there'll be one of the greatest evangelistic moves ever in history that will be reaching out to the Jews and they will be accepting Jesus as their Lord and Savior. There will still be some that reject it and walk away, but many will come to Christ so that the blinders that have been on them spiritually are shaken off because a change has happened in the spirit realm as people began to pray. Just speak the word and believe it. The centurion believed it. He believed it with all of his heart because he loved his servant. Think about that. 
He just loved his servant, and he knew his servant wasn't well. Don't you have somebody that you care about? Maybe it's your garbage man. Maybe it's your postal worker. Maybe it's the gal at the city uh, office that takes your water bill. Maybe, and the list could go on and on and on. And you care about them because they do something for you. Why not put yourself out there for those people? Why not find a way to share the good news of Jesus with them? Because without Christ, they have no hope. But with Christ, they have all the hope they would ever need. I believe with all my heart this is the time that God is shaking some things loose in the spirit realm and that there will be a greater move of evangelism that will happen outside of the church walls than it's ever happened before. In the history, we find that in the 60s, uh, the 50s and 60s, those were timings that were finishing up a move of God that had happened in the 30s and 40s with the tent revival meetings. And there was nothing else to do, so everybody, when they saw a tent go up, they went to the tent, and many, many people got saved. You know, when we've been over to Africa at different times, you could go out into some villages, and I'll never forget, I told you this story before, but Pastor Mastin and I walked through one particular village, and I said, what are we doing? He said, the commercial. He said, you're the only white guy here, and I want everybody to see you, because once they see you and know we're going over to that hut, they're all going to come to see what you have to say. In America today, my goodness, there are churches that can't even get their kids to come to church on Sunday morning because they're in all these traveling sports teams that are out there. People pay hundreds of dollars to go and play sports, stay in a hotel, have food out at a restaurant, all the rest, but the churches don't have any kids in them because they're all out there serving all these other issues and ideas. So some folks are back say, oh, you know, people aren't coming to church. They just don't walk into the doors of a church anymore. There are some still that do that. But please, let's not miss out on what it takes in Scripture to be an evangelist for Jesus Christ. You have to be out there to love on some folks. You have to be out there to share who you have inside of you, the fruit that you bear, so they can taste you and find out what a Christian tastes like. They can taste you and find out what it is for somebody who has the joy of the Lord in their heart. And it may take time. It may take an investment. But what else do you have to do? Let's make sure that when we go to heaven, I'm not going to ask anybody to show hands tonight, but if you've never led anybody to the Lord, I want you to be able to have at least one person that you have led to Christ before you go to heaven. Because I tell you what, it changes your heart. The moment you see somebody get born again, or they ask you to pray for them, and, and you begin to pray for these people, it'll change the way you live your life. If you've never had that joy, I want you to know, just like what we've read earlier tonight, the devil is a deceiver, he's a liar, he will try to make you think that you don't have anything to give, but you do. You do, and God has invested it in you. So tonight, I would like us to pray together. And maybe you've never thought about an intentional friendship. Maybe you say, well, Pastor, I have all the friends I need. Well, let's challenge it a little bit more. Oh, this is going to be rough. Here you go. I'd like to challenge you to strike up a friendship with someone younger than you. You know, you know something. You've lived your life for a while. 
you have some experience under your belt. Don't you want to share some of those good experiences with somebody else? Because, you know, there's a lot of people out there that don't know anything. If you leave a chicken out in the rain and they get real curious and they look up, do you know chicken can drown in the rain? They're that stupid. That wasn't a nice way to say that. They have learning disabilities. No, no. Chickens are stupid. Now, most of them don't just stare up at the rain. But if a chicken does, and they get a little wet, chickens will start to open their mouth because they like water. You get a deluge, they're gone. Well, think about it. Their brain is like that. And all they know is lay eggs. Eat food, sleep, lay eggs. That's it. They haven't tried to study geometry. Much of our world doesn't know how to even begin to think about spirituality. Nobody's ever told them. Nobody's ever talked to them. Especially young people. Someone even young you needs you to share your life. Let's, let's go ahead and go to prayer. I know that's going to be a big stretch, especially if you're not around a lot of people all the time. But let's ask God to open up an opportunity for you. And if nothing else, you go ahead and find somebody your own age and reach out to them. But let's stretch ourselves, Heavenly Father, Tonight, I thank you for every man and woman in this place. And we want to be your ambassadors of love. We want people to taste our lives and see the goodness of God. We want what you've done for us to be evident to everybody else. We, we know we're not perfect, but we know you are. And you've changed. We want to be able to give that same hope and love to somebody else. So now you that in the next few days, Lord, you bring someone younger than each of us into our lives. And it's not going to be by chance. This is an intentional prayer. This is an intentional friendship so that we can share our faith. We can share our life with them. We're not going to beat them over the head with the Bible. We're going to open our hearts up because then once they can trust us and listen to us, they're going to be open to what you have done for us. Help us reach our world. Help us make a difference through the power of Jesus Christ. You said to go and make disciples of all nations. We want to do that right here at home. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you're willing to do that before the Lord, would you just say praise the Lord? Now, I just want to alter. If you need healing in your body, come on up so we can pray over you. If there's any other issue that you need, you can be a part of that this evening. But let's stand up together and let's just wait upon the Lord. He's so good. He's so wonderful. He loves you so much. Hallelujah. He's given you another day to be alive. He's given you his power. Your strength comes from the Lord. He's given you his power to see glory in your life and in this nation. And so, Lord, we just believe for curses to be broken. 
and the healing power of God to begin to flow. Hallelujah, hallelujah. If you need prayer, come on down, folks. Bless your holy name. Hallelujah. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.